Joe Grunwald, everybody. Joe Grunwald. <laughs> Pastor Joe. Thank you, Joe. Yeah, yeah, we are going to take a little break. We do this every so often. The book of Acts is a long book, and so uh, we take breaks every once in a while. And as Joe said, we as a leadership team and as a staff, especially over these summer months, have been meeting. We had a day and a half retreat here about a month ago uh, where we brought in one of my good friends, and he's really helped us to zero in on what God is really speaking to us and what the future holds for Genesis and how we can align ourselves in a way that we don't just talk about it, but it actually becomes a reality. And so as we've been going through that process, I thought, man, I want to revisit a series I did five years ago. In fact, if you go to our website, it's on our homepage and it's five years old. Uh, it's, it's been a while. But what's really interesting about this series, and it was originally called We Are Genesis, so I got really creative, and I said, I'm going to call it We Are Genesis 2.0, right? Yeah, my creative energy that day was really spent, I guess. But uh, out of that, you know, out of this time that we've been having as a leadership team and a staff came this really clear and compelling desire and alignment around this mission of ours. And it's a mission that's aligned, we believe, with the priorities and the instructions of Jesus. It's a mission that I, along with everybody that was in that room at the time, five years ago when we sat down and came up with this, was willing to sacrifice for and work towards. And it was a mission, and it still is a mission that five years later continues, I think, to burn strong in our church. And so we want to revisit that. We want to revisit this is who we are as a church. This is who God is calling us to be and who he's calling us to become. And here was the mission that we knew God was calling us to five years ago. Say it with me if you know it. We want to become a thriving community of changed lives, changing lives. Let's say it again all together. A thriving community of changed lives, changing lives. You'll see it on our walls. You'll see it on our website. You'll see it on our business cards. You'll see it in brochures, on our social media accounts. It's everywhere. You'll hear me say it from this very platform regularly and me even hear someone say it in passing somewhere in this church. But most importantly, you will see that mission in the hearts and the actions of people at Genesis Church. It, it is really who we are and have always been. And yeah, we've changed some of the wording of it here and there, but really, in the end, this is who we are. This is what we do and where we are going as a church Everything that we do is aimed at that mission, from how we organize ourselves to how we spend our money to how we use our building. It determines the music we play, the activities we do, the sermons I preach, the organizations we partner with. This mission is our God-given guide as a church. Now listen, just full, full disclosure, we are perfect at this, Okay. And we're not perfect. We course correct all the time. And we are always reviewing and analyzing our community to ensure, hey, are we staying on mission? Or are we getting off track here? Are we making the right appropriate decisions based on where God is calling us to next. We meet as a staff every week and we have these conversations. We meet as a leadership team at least once a month and we have these conversations to course correct and to make sure that we continue to stay on the mission that God has called us to. Now, if you were here a couple weeks ago, you might ask the question, I like that, Pastor Ryan. 
where is it written? Ah, three of you remember. Yeah, three of you remember. I'm so glad you asked that question this morning. So go ahead, and if you haven't yet, uh, grab your phone and open up the YouVersion app. You can also go to, we're going to be in Colossians chapter 1 to start, but we're going to bounce around a little bit, so the YouVersion app might be your best bet this morning. Uh, if you're not sure how to use that, just go to more and then events, and you'll find Genesis Church. You can follow along with everything I'm going to read. So as Joe mentioned, during the next five weeks, we are going to go over both our mission and what we refer to as our mission priorities. If you're wondering what those are, we will reveal those to you. Or if you're really curious, you can just go out these doors to the left and look at that giant wall. And they're all painted right there for you to remember. Okay. So if you ever forget, oh, what's our mission priorities? Oh, there they are. There they are. Right. We spend a lot of time behind the scenes dealing with how do we make the mission priorities that God has given us a reality in our church? And we, these are the driving forces behind who we are, what we value, and where we are going. And so we organize ourselves around those things. And so we're going to talk about those over the next four to five weeks, starting today, and see, God, where are you leading us into the future? And how you, as somebody who participates here at the Life of Genesis Church, can participate in that. Now, let me just speak to those of you who might be new here today, because you might be like, man... This all sounds a little bit like insider language, like they're talking about this stuff behind the scenes, and this isn't really for me, but trust me, this is for you. This is for you. This is equally as much as for you as it is for someone who's been here since the very beginning of Genesis, and by the way, there are some in the room today. Since 20 years ago, they've been, they've been here. You know who you are. And so I just want to tell you, no matter who you are, if this is your first time or your thousandth time, what I'll be sharing today and in the coming weeks is truly life-changing. It truly is. So I want you, Genesis, I want you today to lean in a little more, to take some notes if you do that, to be inspired, to listen to the voice of God in your life. So back to the original question, where is it written? Colossians chapter 1, verse 6. Paul writes, this same good news that came to you is going out all over the world, it is bearing fruit everywhere by changing lives, just as it changed your lives from the day you first heard and understood the truth about God's wonderful grace. If you ever wanted to memorize a verse, memorize this one. I'm going to read it again, just so we get it into our souls a little deeper. Paul writes, this same good news, that good news about Jesus Christ that came to you is going out all over the world into places, into zip codes like 85032. It's bearing fruit everywhere by what? Changing, Changing lives. Just as it, what? Changing. Changed your life from the day you first heard and understood the truth about God's wonderful grace. It's interesting, the Apostle Paul is actually writing this letter from prison and he's writing to this church that he helped get started in Colossae, where somewhere around 60 AD, right, uh, during his first imprisonment in Rome, Paul has received word that the Colossian church is being infiltrated by a lot of false teaching 
and they're struggling with heresy within the church. And so Paul pens this letter to help make sure that the church in Colossae is able to stay on the right path, that they remember the mission that they were been called to, that they won't veer away from that, that won't listen to heresy as it infiltrates their community. And instead, he says, I'm going to set the record straight again on who Jesus is and who we are to be in light of him. In fact, if you skip down to, uh, to Colossians chapter 1, verse 15, you'll actually read some of the most poetic and lofty words Paul writes regarding Jesus' supreme and divine nature. He wants to make it really clear to the Colossian church, this is who Jesus is. He, he is the supreme divine being above all things. And then in light of that, this is who you are. You are people whose lives have been changed by the grace and love of Jesus Christ and have now been called to go and to bring that same life-changing news to the rest of the world. As he begins the letter, Paul reminds the Colossians, this is who you are. I had a pastor friend of mine who I loved dearly for years. 25 years ago, he said this, and it has stuck with me. He said, you know, when you know who you are, you'll know what to do. And so Paul is saying to the Colossians, this is who you are. When you remember this is who you are, you'll know what to do. It'll be very clear as to what you should be doing. And so he tells them, don't forget how the good news of Jesus has changed your life. Genesis, I don't want us to forget that. Don't forget how the good news of Jesus has changed your life. Listen, you may not be exactly who you want to be, but I guarantee if you look back, you'll realize I'm not who I once was. And Paul is saying, listen, I don't want you to forget this. You are a new creation when you heard the truth of Jesus and understood God's grace in him, your life did a complete 180. You are no longer a slave to sin. You are a child of the living God. Don't forget that. And then Paul reminds them, that same news that changed your life is continuing to change the lives of others as it moves in and through God's people, you. He says, it is bearing fruit everywhere by changing lives. This is the mission of the church. New communities of believers are springing up. They're popping up everywhere because God's message of grace and love and forgiveness continues to go out through who? The changed lives of people in his church. You see how this works? You know, I think sometimes we get this mentality of like, well, you know, Jesus changed my life, and so he's just magically going to do that everywhere. And Paul makes it pretty clear in his letters, no, look, you've been now called on mission. If he's going to do it, he's actually going to do it through you. Who, how are they going to hear if nobody tells them, Paul says? How are they going to see if nobody ever shows them? This was God's plan B. You know, God could snap his fingers, I suppose, if he wanted to. He controls the universe and everybody could be saved. But instead, his plan was, no, I am calling people to a relationship with me, not forcing it upon them. And I want you, church, to go and be changed lives in the world that is desperate to hear about the love and grace of Jesus Christ. You be a changed life who goes and changes lives. You know, it's hard for us to fully appreciate or imagine 
but we are the beneficiaries of the words Paul wrote to the Colossians in 60 AD. Do you realize the Genesis church exists because the good news continued to bear fruit everywhere by changing lives? Do you realize that? We didn't just pop up one day out of nowhere. We are the beneficiaries of thousands of years, generation after generation of people who have lives have been changed by the love of Jesus and took it upon themselves to further the mission of Jesus Christ in the world. We exist today as a church here in Phoenix, Arizona, because generations after generations before us decided we will not just stand still as changed lives. We will live by the words of Colossians 1.6 and we will allow God to use us so that other people's lives will be changed. And we have been now given that same mantle. We're almost 2,000 years removed from the words that Paul wrote to the Colossians. And yet, what he said in those ancient letters is still relevant for us today. Now, here's the thing. We don't just say we want to be a thriving community of changed lives, changing lives, because, well, it's clever, right? And it is a little clever, I guess, change lives, changing lives. Well, that's clever. Rolls off the tongue nice. We actually say it because it is the rally cry of our faith, and it has been since the very beginning. It's not just a play on words. It's who we, the church, Genesis Church and the church universal have been since Jesus said in Matthew 28, go make disciples, baptize them and teach them to obey. This is, this is who we are. You know, I actually read through the message that I gave, this same message five years ago. And as I read through, there was something I wrote that I thought, gosh, that is still true. Here's, here's what I wrote. I wrote, this, this, our mission is at the heart of who we are and who we have always been. We want our church to be a breath of fresh air for those who are struggling. We want Genesis to be a place where people whose lives have been changed are doing everything in their power to help others experience that same change. We want to be a place where the brokenhearted, beat down, down and out life can be changed by the love of Jesus they see in us. And you know, I thought, man, I should, maybe I should rewrite that, but I just, I couldn't. That's, that's who we are. That's who we want to be. Now, I will say this. Sorry, I got to take a drink of water. I'm getting fired up today. I wore way too many layers. This, this jersey thing is hot, man. We're all about, I'll make it, I'll make it. Here's the deal though. Our mission is so much more than just a sermon, okay? Our mission is more than us gathering on Sunday, though that is important. Our mission involves more people than just our staff and our leadership team. If we're going to actually fulfill the mission of becoming a thriving community of changed lives, changing lives, then it will take all of us working in unison together towards that same mission. So this morning, I am going to challenge us, myself included, to join arms in living out the mission God has given Genesis Church. And just a disclaimer, there are going to be moments where I become brutally honest. And I hope you're okay with that. And if you're not, too bad, because I have the mic. 
Because here's the thing, my worst nightmare, and you're going to resonate with this, I hope, my worst nightmare is that we paint this clever mission statement on our walls and our website and our social media, and I preach a sermon once every five years, and I talk about it once a month, and our staff and leadership team, we work on helping and organize and align ourselves around it, and we all clap and cheer and do some Jesus jumps, but then nothing ever happens. That's my worst nightmare. And you know what? Churches are notorious for doing exactly that. They have their clever mission statement that hangs on the wall and collects dust, but in reality, nobody cares, and certainly nobody is doing it. So this morning, I've got to challenge us because for us to really accomplish this mission, this incredibly important mission, Genesis, it's going to take all of us doing a deep dive on our hearts and our souls. In fact, I want to preface everything that I'm about to say and let you know that I, it genuinely comes from a place of love for Jesus and his church. It really does. And so for some of you, this is going to be music to your ears. You'll be like, Somebody finally said it. And for some of you, you're going to feel some conviction this morning. And I hope you do, because I did even as I wrote the darn thing. But for many of you, I want you to know you need to hear this. I need to hear this. Ready or not? Here we go. A few weeks ago, I came across a post by one of my favorite follows on Instagram these days, uh, her name is Natalie Runyon, and she recently released a book called Raised to Stay. And it's a wonderful book. I, I'm like halfway through it right now, but she's basically saying, listen, you know, there's a lot of stuff going on in the Christian world right now. We don't need to get into that, but she's basically saying, listen, we weren't, we weren't raised in this faith, or we weren't brought up in this faith, or we didn't come to Jesus so that a year or two later, we could just walk away. That's not, that's not what this is. This is not some, you know, gym membership where it's like, I don't like the, you know, the machines anymore. I'm just going to go do something else. It's not how this works, right? And so she's been traveling the country and she's been speaking at conferences and churches and, and she's been talking about persevering in faith and ministry when things get tough and doubts start to raise, something we all need to hear at some point. And while her message has been really well received, it really has, you know, she's human and she's public she has some haters too, people who will nitpick everything that she does, including the clothes she wears. And so in a recent post, she responded to many of the people commenting on her very clothing choices, which by the way, were incredibly modest and professional, okay? And so as a part of a larger statement in sort of response to that, she said the words, and I quote, grow up, get on mission." Grow up and get on mission. My wife is actually advocating for a t-shirt to be made and says that. I think I will wear one. What about you? Yeah. Maybe we'll make that happen, Kristen. Should we make that happen? Yeah. Listen to me, Genesis. If we intend to live out and accomplish the mission of becoming a thriving community of changed lives, changing lives, then we're going to have to live by those words. We will need to grow up and get on mission. Some of you need to grow up. You really do. You know, I've never been to a wedding, or you've probably been to a wedding where you've heard uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 13. 
And you would know it, right? Love is patient. Love is kind. That is a beautiful passage. Maybe a little overplayed, but it's great. What you probably don't hear, though, is verse 11, where Paul says, when I was a child, I spoke and thought and reasoned as a child. But when I grew up, I put away childish things. Do you know that that's at the end of that whole verse, that whole passage? You'll hear that at the wedding, right? Because Paul's making the statement that this love as defined by the kingdom of God, that's grown-up work. That's adult work. It requires sacrifice and forgiveness and patience and perseverance. It's the work of people who set aside their dumb pettiness and immaturity for the mission of God to move forward. Thank you, Zach. I'm with you, buddy. Similarly, Paul speaks about us using our gifts and pursuing unity around the mission of the church. And then he says this in Ephesians chapter 4. He says, then we'll no longer be immature like children. We won't be tossed and blown about every wind, blown about by every wind of new teaching. We will not be influenced when people try to trick us with lies so clever they sound like the truth. Instead, we will speak the truth in love, growing in every way more and more like Christ, who is the head of his body, the church. This is the mission of becoming a community of changed lives, changing lives. We have an enormous opportunity, Genesis to be influencers in our world if we will let go of our pettiness and immaturity. It will require grown-ups who will seek maturity in Jesus and set aside their petty attitudes and behaviors for the sake of God's mission. And it's funny, I said, I'm going to stop there, but I'm not going to stop there. I want to I be really clear here. I, I am absolutely grateful for the maturity that I see in so many people in this church. And I'll also say this. I am shocked at some of the immaturity I see in some of the people in this church. And I, I just want to send a challenge to you because I see it in myself as well. Okay? I do, I see it in myself. I want to extend a challenge to you to ask yourself the question, where do I need to grow up in my faith? Where where is that? Because I guarantee for all of us, all of us, we have an area or areas where we need to grow up. And unless we do, we will never fully accomplish what God wants to do in and through our church. Right? Like I said, I'm going to stop there. We could go for another hour and a half, but I'll stop and I'll move on because we got to move on. Second thing, if we're going to accomplish this mission, then we will need to make sacrifices. Just, (laughs) it does not happen without it. You'll need to sacrifice your preferences. You'll need to sacrifice your selfishness. You'll need to sacrifice your comfort. You'll need to sacrifice your time and your money and your energy for this to come true. All right, here to go. Time to get real again. Here's what it is. Some of you, listen up, some of you have been riding on the sacrifices of others for way too long. You have ridden in the wake of other people volunteering. You have stood on the sidelines and watched everybody else use their time and their abilities. And maybe you even cheered them up. Way to go. I'm not... I don't want to do anything. I'm not, I got too much going on, right? And yes, you've been skating by 
on the sacrificial giving of other people. If you call Genesis home or are considering calling Genesis home, we're going to call you to the same thing that Jesus called us to in Matthew chapter 16. Do you know what he said? He said this, if any of you wants to be my follower, you got to give up your own way. You got to take up your cross and you got to follow me. That is a message of sacrifice. I like my way, don't you? My way is good, or at least by my standards, it's good. And Jesus says, sacrifice it. You got to give it up. All these thoughts that you have about what you think the church ought to be, you got to let it go. You have to make a decision to sacrifice for the sake of my mission. And so I want you to hear, if you aren't serving in this church, in this church, it's time. It's time. If you aren't involved in a group like we've been talking about today, and you've been sitting on the sidelines for years just going, ah, it's for other people. No, it's not. It's for you. You need to sacrifice an hour or two every week so that you can be in community of, uh, with other people so that you can grow up in your faith. You need that. It's time. If you aren't contributing financially or are contributing so little, it doesn't really matter. I'm telling you, it's time. It's time. There are no more excuses that you can give me that I'll go, you're right, you shouldn't sacrifice. You won't hear that from me. In fact, many of you don't talk to me because you don't want to hear it from me. <laughs> and that's all right. I'll talk to you anyway. No more assuming that someone else is going to do it for you. Listen, the eternity of people's souls are at stake while we stand on the sidelines and hope that someone else will do it for us. And I don't know about you, but that's not okay with me. It's not okay with God. It's not okay with Jesus. And it shouldn't be okay with us. It's time, Genesis. It's time to lean in like you've never leaned in before. To sacrifice in the ways that God has called us to sacrifice. Are you still with me, Genesis? Good. Finally, if our mission of becoming a thriving community of changed lives, changing lives is going to become a reality, we're going to have to remain committed. We got to make a statement today, put a stake in the sand and go, we're not moving. Mm -mm. Because the mission of the church is ongoing. It's been going on for thousands of years. Because of that, we need to collectively remain committed especially when things get hard, especially when things don't go our way and things will get hard and things won't go our way. It's just the way it goes in this world. Galatians 6, 9 says, so let's not get tired of doing what is good. At just the right time, we will reap a harvest of blessing if we don't give up. And listen, things are going to come up in your life. They're going to come up in the church. Your job's going to get hard. You might lose your job. Your marriage will need some work. Your friendships will become tattered. Your finances will go south. Our plans as a church won't work out exactly as we thought. There's going to be conflict. And when that happens, Paul says, don't give up. 
If we're going to be on mission together, we can't just throw in the towel when things don't go our way. The harvest of blessing, Paul says, is there when we don't give up and get tired of doing what is good. By the way, did you know that in this church at least, you can disagree with something and remain committed? Did you know that? It's a, I know, right? It's like, wait, what? You know that you can disagree with something and not have to leave and go to another church and start the process all over again? Did you know that? In fact, people who are grown-ups in faith learn to disagree with each other and still love each other. And when it happens, it's a beautiful thing. It's totally possible. It happens all the time. Commitment doesn't always mean just complete agreement, but it does mean we are committed to this mission and to one another. We're going to stick with it, even when it doesn't go exactly the way we thought, even when you disagree, even when you're ready to throw in the towel. We are not going to give up because Paul says the harvest of blessing is, a, is right there. You can reach out and touch it almost. Listen, I am confident that we are on the precipice of something great. I really do. I, I see God working in and through our church in ways that bring me incredible hope for our future. But I'm telling you, Genesis, it's gonna take all of us. All of us to say, I'm not gonna let my immaturity get in the way of me carrying out the mission of the church in the world. I, I'm not gonna just, you know, watch everybody else do this. I'm gonna start to sacrifice in a way that I've never done it before. I, I'm not gonna just throw in the towel when things get tough. I'm gonna remain committed to what God is calling us to, no matter what. No matter what. Then and only then, Genesis will we become what God has set us on mission toward? Can you imagine if Paul had given up when things got tough? We would have none of the New Testament. He wouldn't have made it a week. Can you imagine what would have happened if Jesus would have decided, nah, that's a sacrifice too far for me. I can't go to the cross. We sit here today because of the commitment and sacrifice and maturity of thousands and thousands of years of people who have gone before us who have said, I will not give up. I will not give in. I will chase after this mission because nothing is more important in this world and we will work together. We, Genesis Church, will work together towards that end to be a thriving community of changed lives, changing lives. Are you with me? Yes. Are you with me? Yes. Let's pray. And Father, I will be the first to admit that this is no easy task. And while we have the full power of the resurrected Jesus behind us, I also know that there is, there's a battle happening in this world. I just pray, God, that you would, in this moment, that you would reveal those things, God, you want to put to, to death today. 
whether it be our immaturity or our lack of sacrifice, our selfishness, or our just constantly wavering in faith and commitment, God, that you would start to just take those pieces and put them to death so that new life can spring up in us. I love those words. I know they're a little bit forward and maybe a little harsh, but I love those words. And then I believe you're calling us to it from Natalie that says, just, it's time to grow up and get on mission. God, we want to be mature in you. And we know that that's more than just being able to recite the Bible or more than just having perfect attendance at church. It's a wholehearted, sacrificial commitment to you and to your mission at this church. God, I know that there are great things ahead of us. And so today, I just pray that you would challenge us. God, that you would make this day a demarcation for so many people to say, this is who I am. This is what I do. This is where we are going. I'm all in. Ultimately, God, I thank you for the sacrifices and the commitment and the maturity of people like Jesus and Paul and so many others that have gone before us. I thank you that they set the tone for us, especially Jesus, who came to earth to show us a new way of living, to bring redemption and forgiveness where there was hurt and sin, and God, to set us on a path and a mission to bring hope and healing and forgiveness and grace and love to a world that is in desperate need of it. I thank you that he gave everything that we might experience new life in him, that we might be a changed life who's now been called to be a person who changes the lives of others. God, do a good work in us this morning. In your name we pray, amen. But we're gonna remember the sacrifice Jesus, through the taking of communion, there are three stations around the room, uh, one in the back as well, and uh, I'm going to invite you in a second to come to the table, but as you do, I, I pray that you would allow whatever God has been speaking to you this morning to just wash over you a little longer, to address whatever it is the Holy Spirit is pointing at right now, to make a commitment, not just to Jesus, to the work of the church to see his mission go forward this morning. So at the table, there's um, a little jar of, of crackers. Those are gluten-free, by the way. All, all the stations, you can take a cracker, you can take one of the juices. And remember the body broken for you, the blood shed for the forgiveness of your sins. There's also a basket on that table, which is there for any offerings for benevolence. Our benevolence fund goes to help people who are in need whether that be uh, physical needs like food and shelter or emotional needs, all sorts of kinds of things. So if you'd like to contribute to that, you can do that as well. You can also do that online. Uh, totally up to you. But I invite you to the table to remember the sacrifice and the commitment of the one that we follow.